Lord Jesus, you are our vision, and it's you that we want to follow. So, Lord, please show us who you are in your word and help us to follow you. And, Lord, help us to be the kind of people that others will follow as we seek you. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Many of you have heard the expression WWJD before. It means, what would Jesus do? You see it on bumper stickers. People wear it on bracelets. And it's meant to be a reminder that when we're facing some kind of decision, maybe about how to treat somebody or how to spend our money, that we should ask the question, WWJD, what would Jesus do? But here's my problem with that expression. How should I know what Jesus would do? I'm not Jesus. Right? And if I were, I wouldn't need the bracelet with the little letters, WWJD. Jesus always had very clever answers to very difficult problems. You know, whose face is on the coin? Or if you have no sin, cast the first stone. I I can't come up with clever things like that. I'm not that smart. So a lot of times I don't know what Jesus would do. But in those times, I can ask a different question. Instead of what would Jesus do, I can ask, well, what would Steve Hayner do? Or Walt Gerber? Or Bob and Marty Aiken. You see, those people are my mentors and have been for decades. And when I can't figure out what Jesus would do, I ask myself, what would they do? Because they're some of the closest people to Jesus that I know. We're in a sermon series on relationships that give us life. And so far, we've talked about things like marriage and friendship and parenting. But mentoring is probably a relationship a lot of us don't think much about. And yet, biblically speaking, mentoring is one of the most important relationships that we have. Throughout Scripture, God is constantly putting people in mentoring relationships. Moses mentored Joshua. Elijah mentored Elisha. Jesus mentored his disciples. Paul mentored Timothy. And I think the reason mentoring is so important is because it's really one of the best ways there there is to learn how to become more like Jesus. You see, Christianity is caught, not taught. A lot of times I think we believe that if we come to church and, you know, maybe let the pastor sneeze on us during the sermon, we'll catch the Christian virus. No. It is a virus that is best spread through repeated and close contact. That's why when God wanted to save us, he didn't give us a sermon. He came in the flesh and hung out with 12 fishermen for three years. And they hung out with some people, and those people hung out with some people, and that's how it spread. In order for us to grow in our relationship with God, we need two things. Someone to mentor us, and someone who we mentor. And you're never too old to need a mentor, and you're never too young to be a mentor to someone else. Biblically speaking, mentors do four things. The first thing mentors do is they live a life worth imitating. In the scripture we just read, the Apostle Paul says, whatever you've seen me do, you do it too. That's a gutsy statement, don't you think? I mean, would you have, uh, would you feel comfortable saying that to someone else saying, you know, if you want to have the abundant life, if if you want to know God better, just watch me and do what I do. I'm not, not so much for me to be able to say that, you know. I mean, maybe watch me and learn what not to do. You know, negative modeling can be very helpful. But do what I do, that's scary. That's why we need a mentor, someone whom we can imitate and become more like Jesus as we do. But that's also why we need people that we are mentoring. 
Because when someone else is watching us, it has a tendency to help us grow. I have been so lucky in my life to have dozens of younger men who look to me as their mentor, and that makes me want to be a better man for them because they're watching. We need someone we can imitate and someone who's imitating us in order to grow whole. Mentors live a life worth imitating. Second thing mentors do is they listen. Mentors listen. I think we tend to think of mentoring as as sort of dropping pearls of wisdom on very grateful students who are just happy to glean the scraps of profundity that fall from our lips. When I was doing college ministry, people would come up to me. For some reason, it was usually men. And they'd say things like, I'm a self-made man. And I've got a thing or two I'd like to teach those young people of yours. And I'd always say, well, they don't need that. But would you be willing to hang out with them? Maybe take them to a baseball game. Maybe show them how to change the oil in their car. And as you do those things, ask them questions and listen. And wait for teachable moments to naturally arise when you can show them what God might be doing in their lives. That's how Jesus mentored, right? He hung out with those fishermen. And what were they doing most of the time? Well, they were walking from town to town, fishing, eating. But along the way, there were some teachable moments that came up. When one of them asked a question or when they met a rich man wondering how to get into heaven or when they went, ran out of wine at a wedding. And Jesus used those moments to show his disciples who God is and what God was doing in their lives. Mentors listen. Third thing that mentors do is they believe in the people that they mentor. Moses believed that Joshua was fully capable of taking the people into the promised land. Elijah believed Elisha was fully capable of carrying on his ministry. Jesus believed his disciples were fully capable of spreading the good news about him. Every younger man needs an older man who admires him. And every younger woman needs an older woman who believes in her. My first year in ministry, I told the senior pastor that I would only work for a year as his interim college pastor because I wanted to go be a professor, even though he wanted me to stay there permanently. And I was told that I would never preach. That was not going to be part of my job. But one weekend, a pastor suddenly had to back out of preaching, and and so the senior pastor swapped me in. It was the last weekend in August, the lowest attended weekend of the year. I think he was thinking, can't do too much harm. Put the kid in. And after I preached the first service, he pulled me aside, and he, he put his hands on my shoulder, looked me dead in the eye, and with incredible fatherly affection said, that was a great sermon. It wasn't, but he said it anyway. And then he said, just, I just got three things that I think would make it better. Fancy that, a Presbyterian preacher with three points. <laughs> he gave me the three things, and then he put his hand on my shoulders again, and he grabbed me and he said, you are the best young preacher I have ever heard, and you're going to do amazing things for God. And then he walked away. And my eyes filled with tears, and I thought, I will follow this man for as long as he wants me. (laughs) And I didn't leave that church until after he retired. He believed in me, and that changed my life. If it hadn't been for him, I wouldn't be preaching to you right now. I'd be correcting a comma splice on some freshman English paper. (laughs) Mentors believe in the people they mentor. And finally, mentors help others 
Find God in the ordinary parts of life. Find God in things like friendships, career choices, romantic relationships, how we spend our money. You see, God is at work in all of those things, shaping and forming us. And all of those things have deep spiritual significance and are fraught with issues of character and integrity. And a mentor is someone who comes alongside someone else and helps them see how God would want them to be, behave in the ordinary parts of life. When I was in college, I was part of a Bible study led by the college pastor, Steve Hayner, as a matter of fact, our church camp speaker. Go sign up. <laughs> and Steve had invited an older couple to be part of this group of students. And at the time, they were in their late 60s. And I was of the baby boom generation, and so I was very suspicious, and I would look at them and, you know, sort of, you know, the never trust anyone over 30 thing, which my generation, you know, sort of thought was great wisdom until we all turned 30. <laughs> and I would, I'd look at them and, why are they here? It's college students. They're old. Of course, now I know they were really very young, but <laughs> at the time, they're old. Why are they here? They had a profound impact on my life. Carl, the husband, was an incredible mentor. And he would take the guys in the group fishing just one-on-one. And while you were fishing with Carl, he could fix your life in 30 minutes. Carl had the spiritual gift of fishing. Very underrated spiritual gift. And one night during our Bible study, all of us college students were... The whole night we were fretting about our romantic relationships, you know, and is this the right person for me and should we get married and all this stuff. The whole evening we spent this one night. And at the end of the evening, Carl, who had been silent the entire time, just shook his head and he said, I don't know. You young people, I don't understand you. All this fussing about finding the right person. Why, in my day, we just found a spark and fanned it till it flamed. And we all sat there and said, we have been in the presence of true wisdom tonight. (laughs) That was so profound. It changed my life. And the flame, that's great, right? And then he went on to say, he said, look, you guys, you don't understand. It's not about finding the right person. It's about committing to the person and putting God in the middle of it. And then he looked at his wife. He said, and that's how I've been married to my lovely bride for 50 years. Carl lived a life worth imitating. And he listened to us on those fishing trips. And he believed in us enough to spend the whole day with us fishing. And he helped us find God in the ordinary business of asking a girl out on a date. Mentors live a life worth imitating. And they listen. And they believe in the people they mentor. And they help people find God in the ordinary parts of life. Now you'll notice none of those things have much to do with age. And I can't believe that we ever get so old that we don't need those things from someone else. And I can't believe that we're ever too young to be able to give them to somebody. If you don't have a mentor, find one, no matter what age you are. Even if that mentor is younger than you are, it doesn't matter. I've been in a Bible study this year with college guys. Now, you might want to say, whoa, buddy. You're a senior pastor. What are you doing in a Bible study with college guys? I'll tell you, because I learn so much from them. Their perspective is so fresh. They're 20 years younger, but I learn a whole lot. And and there have been sermons this year that I have given that have drawn very heavily on things that those guys taught me. Find a mentor, even if they're younger. We have so much to learn from the people sitting behind me. I have had the privilege of spending my adult life a lot of the time with the under 30 crowd. We have so much to learn from them. 
Find a mentor, even if they're younger. And if you're not a mentor, look around. Loads of opportunity. A grandchild, a kid in the neighborhood, tutor here in our Kid Reach program, teach Sunday school, help our youth department or Eastside Academy. If you were to do the math, you would discover that in our church, collectively, there is over 120,000 years of accumulated experience and wisdom. Makes you feel kind of old, doesn't it? What a shame it would be if all of that went to waste. But more than that, we need to be in mentoring relationships because when we are, we are reflecting the character of Christ. Because Jesus is the ultimate mentor. He led the ultimate life worth imitating. And he left the comforts and perfection of heaven to experience hunger and thirst and all the pains of being a human being. And he listens to us in prayer. And he believes in us. And he helps us see God in the ordinary parts of our life. So when we mentor, we are imitating him. We are Jesus with skin on to people who need to see him. Now, it goes without saying there's no way we can do this without his help. He's the ultimate mentor. But with Jesus, we can help others see God. I was talking with a man about a month ago who's been battling an addiction for years. And he finally began to tell people about this addiction. And one of the people he told was a younger man that he had been mentoring. And when he told him, this younger man said to him, you know what, you are my mentor. You have always been my mentor. And how you conquer this addiction will teach me a lot about what it means to be a Christian man. Who's mentoring whom in that moment? It's going both ways, isn't it? It always does. But more than that, this younger man was Jesus with skin on to this older man who desperately needed to hear the words that Jesus speaks to every one of us. Imitate me and know that I hear you and that I believe that you can conquer anything that you face and that I will show you where God is in your life and I will never leave you or forsake you. Jesus with skin on, with his help, that's what we can be for each other and that is a life-giving relationship. Lord, thank you so much for the privilege we have of mentoring one another. And Lord, I ask that you would guide our feet as we follow you and that as we do, we would do it in such a way that others are drawn up in our pursuit of you. We pray this in your name, Jesus.